The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The Wallaroos are one win away from a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. The Wallabies have named their squad for Europe and your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Absolutely fantastic to have Wallaby skipper James Slipper on the pod last week with some great insights uh, into a huge range of topics. Uh, really enjoyable chat. And thanks to everyone who got in touch uh, to tell us how much they enjoyed it as well. You can have your say each week on the Raw or you can hit us up on the socials. Joining me this and every week, a man still trying to work out if he has as many fingers in as many pies as Bernard Laporte and Moad Altrad, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How's it? Hey, my client, my pies are all clean and legal. I mean, yeah. most most of them are. Um, well, that's that's what you would say, yes. <laughs> so uh, you know, I I was reading something by Eddie Jones over the weekend. Mm. Yeah, this is this is Eddie Jones talking, and and this is actually a very uh, very revealing as to why England is not scoring tries. Eddie says. We've got all these guys in the same room. He's, he's talking about a WhatsApp chat room with coaches. It's fantastic. When we get together for a beer, it'll be so much fun. Then it'll be Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> I'm not sure if Eddie understands that yeah. the whole idea of Alcoholics Anonymous you know, means that we're mm-hmm. meeting and talking about everything except having a beer. Yes. But- well, and specifically talk, talk about not having a beer. Yeah. And so this might be why I, I'm going to have a group for him called Attack Anonymous, because I think that Eddie's, Eddie's, Eddie's attack is very anonymous. If they didn't play Italy, they would score no tries or, um, yeah. you know, just have fun times down under. But, I mean, in Six Nations, they scored eight tries, gave up 11. That's the same as Wales, mm. except Wales let in fewer. So, yeah, I'm looking forward, speaking of, I'm looking forward to the end of end of year tours. I yeah. always like the end of year tour when it's one year out from the World Cup. Because yeah. everyone has to actually start to show their cards. You have interesting matchups and you have confidence boosters. You have the idea of like, let's just show the team you can beat those guys and then see what yeah. happens. You know, yeah, yeah. Conditions will be similar. There'll be games in Paris. It's uh, it's intriguing. What do you think? Oh, I completely agree. And there's some really interesting matchups in there as well. Like it's interesting to see the lines of who's playing who and um you know, there's some deliberate fixturing in there, I'm quite sure. Like you look at Wales, for example, and they're playing, um, well, who have they got? Argentina, um, who have they got? Uh, New Zealand, Argentina, uh, I think oh. they've got Georgia and then Australia. Um, so, you know, Argentina and Australia certainly are well and truly in their sphere of of, of World Cup influence, aren't they? So I mean, you look at Wales, you say they have a, they can put a thousand caps on the field, ten lions. Mm. They had a bad, you know, start to the year, but then they went and they toured South Africa pretty well. They, un- mm. they uncovered a really good player, um, Tommy Rafael, who's one of the best yeah, players certainly. here. And what if what if they do beat Argentina and Australia? Um, they go in, I think, to next year thinking, feeling pretty good about themselves. Mm. Uh, and they're always tough, they're a tough out in the World Cup. And and they're on the side of England, Australia, Wales. I mean, um, and Argentina. Yeah. So yeah, Fiji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The French but are there actually, is... the French are actually going to have the first time that they're up against a pack that they can actually that might could dominate them. I mean, the box could actually for the first time give the French a, a go. Yeah. But the same thing is true in reverse. So 
the Springboks, you know, kind of survived with really stodgy, awkward back play for the most yep. part. They had this pack that dominates you. What if these two packs just run into each other and it's uh, and it's yeah. a draw? I don't know. That's that's a could be match. Well, they've they've got they've got Australia, South Africa, Japan in uh, in, in consecutive weeks as well. So yeah, yeah. There's so many. There is so many. Absolutely intriguing uh, matchups to come in November tour, which um, or the Autumn Nations series, uh, as it as it officially goes by this week. Um, there is plenty to get into, mate. Let's um, let's let's rip into it and let's uh, kick it off. I think with the the Wallabies squad announcement. Let's do it. The Raw Rugby Podcast. So, so much to talk about, mate, but let's start where we do start every week. What actually stood out for you um, on? Another really interesting weekend of rugby. Yeah, so I'm going to go to the URC on this one. Um, yeah. I watched my beloved Stormers play, uh, the Ospreys. This was the darkest stadium you've ever seen. I mean, actually, the referee was having a hard time looking at the players and knowing who they were. Um, the rain was- Ospreys, Ospreys home game? Yeah. Rain yep. was coming down in sheets. I mean, it was actually the it was one of the finest uh, examples of kicking I've ever seen. Both both flyoffs never missed, but yeah. uh, it was like old school. I mean, it was like the rugby you first played when you were a kid. The ball looked so heavy, struggling, <laughs> and it was destined for a draw, and that's what it was. It was an old fashioned draw. Yeah, both teams looked actually quite happy with the draw, and the darkness and uh, the 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 look of a crowd in Wales on a rainy night. <laughs> it was like you were watching something from, you know, I don't know, Barry John. It was uh it was from way back. It was from the 60s. Yeah. In fact, everyone looked like they were in the 60s. Um, they would look like they were in their 60s as age, and then they were set in the 1960s. That's how old school it looked. So there's something charming about the URC, these um yeah. these, these venues like the the sports ground in Galway, what all the Welsh venues look like, you know. Rugby before it was rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and yeah. A, in a week when you had, I guess, the big news, the big takeaway is, to me, of course, the English game, which is promising so much on the field, but behind behind uh, the scenes, it's getting really the worrying. Boardroom, it? it's really crazy, and, and and it's a, I guess, a harbinger. It's a canary in a coal mine for all of rugby because yeah, you know, if that that if that competition, which is luring the best. Uh, from all over the world yeah. is crumbling under their feet. If sports agents have to now do a complete due diligence before they sign their player, yes, yes. Vincent Koch, Vincent Koch left the Saracens to the Wasps, and now where is he? You know, now he's redundant. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, it was kind of charming to see some old school rugby from Wales in the yeah, run and remind us of what it was. But I don't know about you. There's something about that English story that looks like it's not really done yet. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone needs to to heed the warnings, uh, and I'm talking about Japan, the French, everywhere. Oh, yeah, is, absolutely. Is, is the model sustainable? Absolutely. I mean, there's reports of you know a collective debt of upwards of 500 million pounds, I presume, and even if even if the even if even if figures nowhere near that and even if it's only 250 million pounds that's still 20 million pounds each like that's ridiculous it's more than that it's 40 million pounds each that's that's ridiculous 
So the, a lot of the, the French, the, many of the French owners and some of the English use this as their marketing budget. Yeah. So even though it looks like it's in the red, for them, <clears throat> it is part of their marketing to say, yeah, I've yeah. got a huge construction empire and I want all my clients <laughs> to come to my, my little sports ground here where yeah. gladiators play. And, you know, it's, it's just We'll fun. do deals. Yeah. yeah cool kids. Um, yeah. But that's not obviously sustainable for someone like uh, the Melbourne Rebels or the no, the Stormers. No. The Stormers actually did a deal interesting this week with um, with uh, Gaza Vlimsa, Damien Vlimsa, where he's getting the equivalent of eight hundred eighty thousand per year Aussie dollars. Um, yeah, so it comes out to almost a five million dollar deal for uh, five years, using a third party and yeah. using him as image ambassador. So. I mean, yeah, there are right. Different ways to do it where it's not on the club's books. But so, so the so the company has effectively bought his image rights. Exactly. It's yeah, right. Actually, like a sophisticated evolution of the Saracens model, uh, except above <laughs> board. And yes, up, yeah. yeah, declared declared up front this time. Yeah, I, I saw <laughs> so, that Saracen said that. Someone from Saracen said, "You know, look, we told you already." You said we were like busting the the rules and everything, but that was the only sustainable way is yeah. to provide an income stream. Yeah, yeah. That was outside of rugby. Yeah, we don't want to say we told you so. You know, <laughs> who'd have who'd have known that independent financial advice would be so frowned upon? Yeah, um, so I, mean, I I went to the. You, um, how do you see that in Australia, though? Is there is there a danger there, and how do you avoid it? I know everyone oh. argues in Australia all day long. Should we have three teams, four teams, five teams? markets and so forth well the 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 problem the problem there is this very quickly becomes multi-layered um and and while ever there's nothing underneath super rugby there has to be five australian teams there just has to be and until we get to a point where there's something underneath it and and i don't think we'll ever go back to the like an eight team NRC, as much as I love that competition, I'd love to come it back. I think something like a five or six team, um, effectively Super Rugby Australia, AU again, but played yeah. at the back end of the year. I think that's more likely. And, and, and I keep being told by people in very, very influential positions and in positions that would know that, that that is the goal and that could even be in place this time next year, which would be. Absolutely fantastic. Until something like that is in place that we can actually start bringing through the next layer of players, unfortunately, all Australian development needs to be done in Super Rugby Pacific at the moment. And that's not ideal, but it's the way it is. And so the way then to do that is to make that as sustainable as possible. And that's why the conversations go on about revenue sharing and things like that. And, And Rugby Australia are pursuing that line of attack, dare I say it, revenue sharing, because they're still not paying the five states their full annual grant, if that makes sense. They're still paying them the reduced grant from the start of the pandemic, which so we're talking March 2020, they had to make those changes. That hasn't been restored yet. And so the clubs themselves are having to make up those shortfalls. And so already shoestring budgets are becoming even more, um, you know, oily fumes and, and, and dry rags and things. So, um, and look, as I understand it, the situation isn't necessarily that much better in New Zealand. 
Um, and so I, short answer is I, I don't know how to sustain this. Yeah, so New Zealand's got the sugar daddy money and they're looking at that as the panacea to solve all problems. But I can't yeah. help but think of it in all these things, it's a patchwork in which uh, no one has drug all the key stakeholders to a table, formed a different vessel, which was a good of the yeah. game vessel, yeah. in which only interests defined can align and integrate. Instead, we have all the all the bodies and union and governing bodies we have are purely just political legislatures in some ways, full yeah. of free deals. And we are avoiding the issues of you know, what led to the Wasps and the Worcester. And then why are three or four of the top French rugby um you know, leaders in yeah. the dark for criminal yeah. corruption. So we have yeah. a lot of problems because we're never really having one thing that says this is how we're going to go forward. And, yeah. uh, and that's our problem, I think. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Look, it's an interesting topic and it's going to, it's going to go on for a while yet. I've got no doubt about that. Um, and look, I'd, I don't know who we talk to, but I'd love to have a conversation with someone who knows the ins and outs of professional sport finance. It'd be, it'd be intriguing to find out more. We're back to the pod's Brisbane studio, and from there, it's a very warm welcome back to the Royal Rugby Podcast, Sydney Morning Herald Senior Rugby Correspondent, regular TV head on the Offsiders on the ABC, Sports Sunday on the Nine Network, the wonderful Georgina Robinson. Hello, mate. How are you? Very good to see you back. Hello, Hello guys. Very good to be back. Thanks for having me. Very, very welcome. Do you rob in <laughs> We've got a yeah. Our listeners aren't going to see this contrast. Uh, Georgina's in a in a lovely pink ensemble against uh, against <laughs> Harry's um, art house black and white brooding uh, features. We'll pop a picture of that up. Yeah, that's so what I do. That's what I do, Brett. I brood. <laughs> yes, you do. Very broody. Very broody. Um, we've been through our our standout events from the from the weekend, uh, Georgina. What did, what what caught your attention this weekend? Ah, well, definitely the Wallaroos. That's uh, mm. that's what was on, right? So um, yeah. that was really good to see them get through um, with a win over Scotland. Like this isn't an 80-minute team at the moment. And so to no. guts that out of actually doing do it in the second half was um, impressive. I, I, um, I worry about Wales now, but I am by mm. nature a little pessimistic. So... Um, <laughs> So, you know, take no notice of that, but it's a tough one. Um, yeah. And, I'm, and in uh, retrospect, I'm glad they got the black ferns out of the way first. Speaking of worry, are you worried about the discipline of the Wallaroos kind of mirroring the Wallabies at mm. this point? Yeah, potentially. Uh, I think I think the Wallaroos would be much easier to, would be much more malleable in a way and easier to correct things week to week. I feel like the Wallabies, that's really entrenched for the Wallabies and Mm. the layer on top with the Wallabies is that I think there's now, well, there has been for many, many years an international perception of them. Yeah. uh, That, you know, takes longer to shift even when the behaviour does start to shift. It's a a throwback to, uh, you know, the scrummaging problems of the mid 2000s, isn't it? I mean, it took years to to, to shake that tag, you know, particularly in the north. Yeah, it did. And um, it, it's also a bit like um, the problems we've had with captains and their dealings with yeah. referees. Yeah. Um, Eddie, Eddie just... Jones has given you some advice. Eddie Jones weighed in on <laughs> yesterday. He said, I just discovered 
social reciprocity. He learned that in a WhatsApp group with other coaches. And he said, um, that's what caused the French referee, whose name I will not say, um, to bring up short um, the, the Wallabies. And he said it was just because um, Nick White was in his ear for half the game. So Eddie Jones weighing in on what makes people annoyed. Yeah, frankly, I'm surprised it took until the 79th minute. Social, social reciprocity, mate. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. On uh, onto the topic of the the spring tour, Georgina. I don't think there was any huge uh, surprises in the squad. I think it was largely named as expected. I think we always thought Bernard Foley was going to go. I don't even think it was any great surprise that Will Skelton was included. No, I do think there are a couple of there are a couple of swaps though, like um, yeah. Mark Noangani Wase for. Sullivan of Alu. Yeah, no doubt. And um, uh, well, Langy Gleeson and, and, and Ned Hannigan have probably gone in for the for Harry Wilson yeah. to an extent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I feel for Harry. I feel like. Um, yeah, I do too. I feel like there's a positional problem. You know, like he's a bit unfortunate that he's a number eight and he's, um, you know, and I yeah, and then there's just a, a back row full of candidates. Um, mm. It was a bit. It was a bit unfortunate to hear Dave Rennie wax lyrical about Langy Gleeson's feet, um, his great feet, uh, on Sunday when he yeah. was was commenting about the squad being questioned by us. And you know, Harry, I think it was the the reason he was left um, at home on the spring tour. Need to work on his last feet. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm so chop, yeah. I'm gonna chop all these parts out where you say I feel for Harry and just put that on social media, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and he's you know like uh, look, I, yeah. And anyway, um, so I think a couple of those were were interesting, and I also think it's just a bit interesting that we're a year out from the World Cup and he's still um, bringing around like he has five debutants in that squad and yes. I'm pretty sure, I mean, has seems to have every intention of giving them game time because. Yeah. Um, well, because know, he'll he, kind of have yeah. to with five, five tests in five weeks. He's, I mean, he's yeah, named, I've just said to Harry, he's, he's named 36. There'll be more added. You can, you can be sure. Um, five tests in five weeks. You're he, sort of going to have to use everyone. Yeah. And I, like I think when that when the extra tests were announced or when the Scotland it was already four when the Scotland one was announced there was you know player welfare concerns and mm. and all that kind of thing but I, I do think now the Wallabies need all the time together they can yeah. they can get uh, so I think I think it could be I think it could be good I think it could be disastrous actually I think Italy's the only near certainty on that squad and I, yeah I, uh, the thing the thing that worries me about the Wallabies or um, kind of fills me with terror is that they have the same capacity to um, floor you with their disastrousness as they as they do thrill you with you know getting it together one night. Uh, so that just I just feel like they're still an unknown quantity a bit. You don't know which team's going to run out on the field. I'm not I'm not sure. And Georgina, I'd love to hear your response to this i'm not sure that dave rennie knows what is causing the losses as much as i'd want him to i mean when i hear him analyze things it doesn't seem to address the actual root problem but maybe yeah we can discuss what that is for me it's the tight forwards still don't boss a game when another team really comes in a bad mood 
And every single revenge game, they went down hard to Argentina, Africa, England, New Zealand. And so I look at this team going up up north. I don't really see a lot of I don't I don't see the the mongrel in the locks, as Brett just said. I think well you know there'll be people who go down because the big forwards are the ones who usually get injured. And I just wonder about a dis- a disaster tour like where you actually end up just getting toweled. And I uh, I wonder about that. What do you think? Uh yeah, look, I I agree with you wholeheartedly um, on Dave Rennie not quite knowing. Um, he they 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 produce a you know a Springboks win and, or an Argentina win and then follow it up with and, and what they can't they he doesn't know or they haven't been able to. Um, repeat the effort, particularly in the starts. The starts they haven't nailed and uh, that's exactly the point you make about when another team turns up in a bad mood. Um, it's a real worry. <clears throat> starts have been an issue for two years, though, now. Yeah. Uh, inconsistency has been an issue for mm. a decade. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's true. But that's, it was that's, so, yeah, that's it, almost it, so it, consistent that it doesn't even need, need mentioning anymore. <laughs> we, we had slips on last week, and he said, uh, on those what I call revenge games, he said we we got beaten by physicality. We didn't mm-hmm. we didn't have the actual ability to withstand a set piece team coming at us hard. Uh, we just got knocked over. And he also said that he that he wasn't sure how to fix it. And I was just I just wondered, is there an actual plan for the next year? Because the World Cup will be more of the same. It'll be more of that. Mm. Northern Tour is kind of a dress rehearsal. Um, you know, why, why is Rennie not able to articulate what's going wrong? And I think in your article, you talked about how he might, you know, pull the plug on himself. Uh, he, he, might, he might be the guy who breaks up before he gets broken up with. Um, I have not talked to him about that. And... Um, so I, this is what I'm about to say is nothing more than a hunch and I may be absolutely proved wrong, but I think he might be planning to break up with Australia before Australia uh, leaves. Yeah, him. right. I, I, I do a bit. I mean, I can't. Mm-hmm. I think there were some rumours earlier in the year that uh, Rugby Australia might be entertaining some kind of renewal conversation with him. Uh, His cab shot that down and so did Rugby Australia, but it's come up again and he has, he's, he's brought it up and said, that's what I will. Yeah. I I will make a decision in in early in the year. So if he, um, and the, the, the subtext to that, take it as read that that means uh, there will have to be a renewal chat now. <clears throat> either he doesn't, mm. either he already knows he wants to leave after the World Cup. That's one thing. Uh, if he doesn't, I cannot, cannot see how Rugby Australia, unless, as I wrote, this spring tour is an unbridled success. Yeah, can entertain any kind of renewal talk. Mm. Can't. Yeah, you said in your article on a 38% win rate. You can't. Yeah. You said in your article it would be hard for Rugby Australia to justify an extension. And then you take us back to Robbie Dean's days where there was 
you know, an extension before the fact, which then the fandom really didn't like. So it's it's actually interesting. You're actually talking about Rugby Australia really thinking about what its stakeholders and followers want. And it doesn't seem to be that Rennie has captured that yet. Or maybe, you know, he just doesn't have the affection or the uh, the belief uh, in his systems. Uh, he just doesn't. Look, he hasn't won. Uh, I don't think it's hard to win over fans unless you're Jake White and play Jake Ball. But uh, <laughs> I, and even now, I think Australian rugby fans would take a Jake White kind of wallabies as long oh, as they there's, um, there's, there, there's, <laughs> there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of support for that idea out there. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, uh, it's your line tomorrow, Brett. Um, <laughs> but, but I, um, yeah, I think, uh, Actually, as a side note to that comment, though, I'm not sure. Like, there's been so much change over at Rugby Australia since, yeah. you know, in the last decade. It, I'm not even it, sure they they know that they know the Rugby mm. Dean's history. You know, someone someone in there would, but do the people? Does Andy Marinos understand? Yeah, uh, it's a good point. Robbie Dean. So I mean, some, I point. feel like sometimes I have to write this stuff to just to remind them, hey, yeah. someone else has tried this before and it didn't go down well. So think long and hard about it. There's been there's been so much change in inside Rugby Australia just in Dave Rennie's tenure. So it's a it's actually a really good point you make. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of corporate memory. Um, mm. Yeah, there there, right. there is. Yeah, or I'm not sure they care about it. In the chronicles, in the chronicles of Georgina, which uh, details the historic fortunes of the Wallabies, you go actually specifically at some positions, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this: fullback, fly off, wing, and number eight. These are the ones you say that Rennie still doesn't know who the who those guys are. But who do you think they should, hmm. be? and who has taken them? I think he knows his fullback. I think he'll take who wants to take Tom Banks to. Which well, is curious in its in itself that he's suddenly emerged merged back as a, a as as an option, and so like for this tour, he's he's about to head to Japan. So is he effectively on a short term match payment type contract? Because correct me if I'm wrong, that Rugby Australia contracts or most contracts tend to run November to October, don't they? Uh, I. I haven't checked in in a couple of years since COVID, but it always used to end in December. So I think the comment oh, okay. was made right. that, he, that he hasn't gone. He'll go after the tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's still uh, actually look, contracted. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so, be. unless there was something unique about his deal with, yeah. with Brumbies. But, um, uh, and I, sorry, I should say that um, Andrew Kellaway also, I think, are the, the two main contenders at fullback. But I feel like um, he's hoping Tom Banks... We haven't yeah. seen enough of him, but um, he's hoping that Tom Banks doesn't um, doesn't give him a reason to to yeah. look elsewhere. He certainly um, certainly showed some good signs in Japan in his few outings there. Yes, 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 he did. He did. Um, what are the other positions? So, so, Ten. so, wing, well, wing. I think you it's would... Bernard Foley. I think it's. I think we're back to Bernard Foley. Which is uh, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I like, and this is these have been the positions the whole the whole time, and that mm. we go back to the gen, the lost generation of playmakers. We just haven't had, yeah, um, we just haven't had anyone since the Quades and the Jameses. Um, we're, we're back to it's it's, we're back to it's not even back to twenty fifteen. It's back to twenty twelve and thirteen, isn't it? 
Oh, it most definitely is. Yeah. It most definitely is. Uh, and um, I suppose the problem um, there is, you know, who you pick for your 10 and 15, as a, it makes a big impact on how your entire game shape looks. Yeah. And yet they're so they're so different, these candidates for 10 and 15. And Rennie does not seem to know, I mean, until right now, maybe, mm. who it is. And so yeah. it, it begs the question of, you know, have the Wallabies developed enough of a doctrine under Rennie? Like, what is the Rennie doctrine? How we play? No, they haven't had the chance. To, I don't think they've had the chance to develop a doctrine. I think maybe this might have been the year, and I think this year, this is the year that injuries really bit them. Yes. Um, I think you can't un- yeah. And I think you can't underestimate the COVID, uh, the COVID impact. I feel like it's a lost two years, even though they had a lot of time together in 2021. Yeah. Was it? 21. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they spent, know, they spent the, the whole four months up in Queensland. And, really, yeah. and Michael Hooper, the captain, literally leaving right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't talk about it very much because we're trying to respect that whole yeah. story, but still, that's a huge thing. And yeah. that's and that's and that's one of an injury list that runs now well into the 30s of right. the year. Like that's that's yeah, that's it's an astounding list of, of injuries. And I mean, you he, mentioned he effectively lost a year in 2020, so he's a year yeah. down. I just don't think, yeah, I don't think they've had the chance to develop one. Um yeah. and it's interesting, in, Harry, in that my, you talk about talk about 10, 15 shaping everything else, and of all of and of all of the candidates. The only ten and fifteen options that have actually played together are Lolasio and Banks, oh. and the chances of them playing together, I think, are slim. They might. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Mm. You know, because Kellaway and Banks have never. Well, Banks, Banks and Foley got a little bit of, of history, but Donaldson hasn't played with any of them. Obviously, um, you know, Lolasio has had a little bit to do with them, but. Not enough. Has he been given enough time? It's 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 an interesting one. What we've talked, we've touched is, on. I was just going to say, I, I just think ten is the, has been his big problem. Has been his undoing. yeah, no doubt, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. Um, we've mentioned Michael Hooper there. What's your expectations around him, or what's your understanding of the expectations around him for this tour? He, he obviously wouldn't make himself available to tour if he wasn't right to go. No, and um, Dave Rennie said he was keen to play. So yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. He's not a he's not a he's a full throttle kind of guy, isn't he? So mm. um, we can expect that. I don't, but I don't really have any um, any other knowledge of it. I think mm. we'll need to hear from Hoops himself. It, it'll yeah, and I'm sure we will probably once they they get it. It'll be intriguing to see how they do use him against Scotland and France, particularly the first two tests. Do they? throw him straight back into the starting side? Do they put him in, you know, number 20 and bring him on with 25 minutes to go and yeah, just say, true. just go nuts, mate? Like, it's, oh, hard, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine Hoops as anything other than what he's always been. It reminds me a little bit, I'm not comparing in stature, but Bjorn Borg in tennis, he really couldn't handle playing tennis in a uh, declining way or in a limited way. He only mm-hmm. had one speed. Uh, he would yeah. measure his uh, racket. Tension. He would have them in bed with him in the hotel room. He had superstitions. He was literally a neurotic guy, which we loved when he was winning. But when you looked at uh, later on the documentary and pro- probed into his psyche, he was actually miserable sometimes. Mm. I don't know. I don't know Michael Hooper's story, but if that's the case, I don't think you can use him 
as Hooper Light. I mean, it's not him. He's a yeah. cover tackle scrambler. He would never let seven tries get run in and San Juan against him. There's no way he would do that. Um, and th- there were people, hands on hips and heads hanging. And, and Hoops is a guy who will die trying. And mm. maybe to his detriment as a human being. But uh, I, I just think they're going to throw him into the mix and say, go. I, I don't know. What do you think, G- G- Rob? Uh, I feel like it's actually an interesting one for Dave Rennie to manage. I don't mm. feel like anyone's done a bad enough job in the back row that you could just yeah. cast them out just because Hoops is back. Um, it's, a good, I, it's a good point. Mm. It's yeah, a really good I, point. I think, again, this is just, I think maybe though he doesn't start. I don't think he starts to start mm. with. Yeah, that's mm. but that's just my gut on it. Can you imagine Pete Samu and Michael Hooper finishing games next to each other? That's good hair. kind of kind two of intriguing. Guys, two, guys were very, two guys with very good hair. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. That's uh, very and true. and I think um I think actually like the actually the other factor in this is Charlie Gamble. Um yeah. who, who is available, who is becomes eligible, eligible about March, March April year, next year. March yeah. or April next year. Um, and, you know, I don't know how quickly Lange Gleeson's going to develop. Um, I just feel like back row is not our problem at the moment. Um, no. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and no, it's just keeping them all fit. Yeah. Pete Samu is really interesting to me because Dave Rennie clung to him as super sub, Pete Samu, mm. for so long. And then when he had to, um, started him and, you know. You don't and he was it. fantastic. But he is like we 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 wondered we wondered whether starting he might actually weaken his strength, but he started a game and was brilliant. So yeah, but he he doesn't work as hard on the defensive side. I mean, his carries no, that's no, he's got his limitations, no no doubt. And Samu, the dashing pirate, is the perfect sub in that he covers all three positions. Yes, Yes. absolutely, absolutely. It'll be it'll be fantastic to see how this how this tour. Plays out uh, five tests in five weeks. Scotland, France, Italy, Ireland, Wales is, I mean, that's grueling. We thought, you know, oh, five tests in five weeks. I just, I can't believe they're doing it. And we touched it on with Michael, with uh, James Slipper last week, and he just sort of shook his head, didn't he, Harry? I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> think, he, I don't think he still quite believes that they're going to play five tests in five weeks. But yeah, we'll yeah, see but slips, how it like, plays out. Slips is like, I mean, Slips comes Slip, across slips, some kind slips, of Slips would also say that he would rather play five tests in five weeks than do five weeks of preseason. <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> and he's also the guy who um, grimaces and kind of, um, you know, when, when he had to switch over to the other side of the scrum at one point yes. during yeah. this season uh, yeah. when he was all of a sudden a starter. And, and, of and on the spring tour last year as well, yeah. Yeah, and and his constant demeanor is that, like maybe he's only got forty minutes left in him, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and yet he's backed up week after week. Uh, yeah. So I just like, I, of course, like he's a bit of a whinger, you know, like yeah, he just he just <laughs> loves to have a good whinge and a good wine and a good yeah, while well, with me, like poor old slips, right? But. I'm- uh, he he's hasn't probably, let us down yet. He will not. He's probably he earned not. the grumpy old man status, though. To be fair. Well, it's maybe no, he has, he has. But my point is, I actually think he's been a grumpy old man since his debut. <laughs> young he's early twenties, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a like 
he's um, just the most under, and he's not underappreciated by anyone who appreciates. But I, but I know what you mean. For his, for his legacy, uh, like, yeah. I mean, for, sorry for for the length of his career. What is he? One hundred and twenty-one, te- one hundred and twenty-three tests and hoops. No, yeah. one hundred and twenty-one, whichever one. Yeah, and one hundred slips and one twenty-one hoops. Yeah, and a hundred plus super super rugby games as well. So he's you know he's he's had a career already. That's for sure. He's had a career. He's had some slips. Excuse the pun. Uh, he's um, you know he was yeah he's really I have a lot of respect for that guy and in a you know and not in a position in which you can hide right. No. Rugby on the roar. Before we let you go, we 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 do need to to, to touch on the Wallaroos and the, and the and the Rugby World Cup uh, on in New Zealand at the moment. They they face Wales um, this weekend, um, but they can definitely make this knockout stage, can't they? That 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 win last week in Scotland will give them. So much confidence and so much momentum going into this last game of the pool stage. It will, and I think they're definitely a team that, with each week, gets gets better, or at least, uh, you know, um, I, I, look. I do worry about um, the fact that they're not professionals yeah. and they're playing against yeah. teams. Yeah. Full of professionals or semi-professionals, yeah. and the Wallaroos aren't even set. You can't really call yeah. them semi-pro either. Um, no. So I worry about I worry about this game. Yeah. But um, Wales are recent professionals, aren't they? They they went. They are. Yeah. They are. Yeah. And they'll. I guess they'll play a. I mean, you saw how evenly matched Wales and Scotland were in their pool match. That yes. was a great um, game. Yeah. So um, and. So I feel like you know maybe Wales Wales could look at that and go well if we if we do if if we do uh, what we're going to do better than Scotland did it, which is um, yeah attack them up front and also you know all of the set piece play mm. yeah I, I worry about Australia's capacity to but then the Wallaroos front row was that. probably probably what kept them in the game last week and, party, and they had sure. yeah they had to be really really patient to get on top of that win behind them and actually work their way into the game to ultimately take the lead and it was only what the 71st or second or third minute that they actually took the lead so they had to fight bloody hard for it i mean that the the backs um and shani williams in those backs uh giving them front football you just want to see them. They they could just rip apart a team. Mm. Yeah, um, just creating one on ones. If if the Wallaroos can get a few more of those, because watching this to me is almost like watching rugby from uh, a different era in which I played, in which you can actually create a lot more space if you can yeah. just sit there um, yeah. by kick or by by shift or by uh, quick rucks. To me, the Wallaroos have fixed their lineout with Sarah Nagama doing really well at the front of the line. Right. She's yeah, been but really I, good. It's just that transfer from from you know base to nine, ten, eleven to get, like somehow get it out to twelve, thirteen. Yeah, quicker. I actually think they've got Wales on that. I think where Wales might have the Wallaroos is they're just like their men's team. They're a very tough team to break down. They're frustrating. So it'll be a little bit um, of a discipline patience mm-hmm. issue for the Wallaroos. But I think they've got mm-hmm. the athletic 
a pro or amateur doesn't matter. They've got the athlete, athletes to beat whales. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, no, I totally agree. It's just a matter of yeah. giving them some space and some yeah. kind of football. They've got some genuine game breakers uh, on, on each wing. So, and, and they have, they have torn teams up already in this tournament. So if they can do it, I wonder they're, they're obviously going to miss, they're going to be missing um, Ash, Ashley Masters who was suspended mm-hmm. for, for three weeks. And I, I still think the judiciary's got those those round the wrong way. I, was, I, I still think it was um, Adiana's Talakai's was the worst of the two. I'm still not convinced that Ash Masters actually made made the, the, the direct contact. But anyway, it's in the history books. But it's now. the judiciary, so you know. Just yes, like, yeah. I feel like you could say, up. "I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand." It. But it's the judiciary, and then it just all makes perfect sense. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, well, well, one final observation I'd like to make about this World Cup is that mm. I hope there are people at Rugby Australia, the CEO Andy Marinos, the chairman Hamish McLennan, watching these women and going, these could be our secret weapon. Uh, yeah. And and then making a decision to put them higher up the list in funding priorities. Yeah. I understand the value well, of the Australia A program. Dave Rennie certainly needs it. But mm. um, are we, you know... Someone, someone in New Zealand made the comment that the, the Women's World Cup has been, the games have been completely different. It's been full of families, women women and children. Yes. And a completely different atmosphere, friendly, yeah. not so much um, kind of narky booziness. Yeah. And that's really interesting for sports because then the male market is saturated. And so the only people left to go after I mean, Australian Australian rugby can win back some mm. some of the some some male fans as well, but the market still left uh, slightly untapped is women and families. And families. This yeah, is such true. a this is such a great point, Georgina. Like mm. studies have shown in every market that women make most of the decisions on buying and sports entertainment purchasing, and that idea goes a lot better when you have you know both sides of the family coming. Trips are easier to plan. Canada has made a big bid on women's rugby and look what it's happened. So it's actually very widely covered in Canada. Um, it's a cheaper way, some ways to get to the top sevens have provided that Australian sevens have provided a great Avenue. I think rugby yeah. should just take whatever the market is giving you and saying, who are the new buyers? Who are the, the new customers and stop fighting tooth and nail over league uh, fans or AFL mm. fans. I think you go to new markets, people that are untouched and say, what about this sport? It's got a festival feel to it. It's family friendly. Plus, you know, it's got raw boned courage. I mean, those girls are, are they are smashing each other. But mm. uh, like you said, it's it's more like a throwback to yeah. a different time. Yeah. yeah. And the games have yeah. been the games have been fantastic to watch. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. The games are the kind of rugby with with the exception of some of the place kicking. Um, the games are the kind of rugby you sit and, and yearn for when you're watching men's yeah. test for yeah. keep them all yeah. alive yeah 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 Kicking in general yeah and the and the thing is rugby australia is already behind the eight ball because the aflw is making massive inroads uh yeah. and so you know they don't have a lot of time and um but they don't have a lot of money and they really need some mm. private investment they need you know or or something to go right um someone to pull a rabbit out of a hat Mm. But I don't well, think and they, they can... need to they need to act quick. They're, like I, I made the point the yeah. other week that that there's there's been seven new well, by 
by mid next year, there will have been seven new NRLW teams stood up in three years. And so the longer they, the longer rugby in Australia sits on our hands, the the, the further, the longer we start, we, we go backwards. That's just the reality. That's just the way it is. Yeah, agree, agree. Go after netball. Doom and gloom. Uh, Very Netball had it too good for too long. <laughs> Always and, said and, that. And girl, and girls, enough of this passive aggressive sport. Girls need to get in and get into some contact and you know uh, <laughs> make some hits. Oh, they do. That's yeah. a lot of problem for women and their rage in in adulthood. Anyway, well, on on that bombshell of feminism. Uh, it has been great to have Georgina Robinson on the Raw Rugby podcast. It's fantastic to have you back. Thanks so much for joining us. She robs rage. Yeah. <laughs> I turn up late, but I bring the anger. Thanks, guys. Uh, the Raw. Fantastic, Harry, to have Georgina back on the podcast. Some interesting thoughts there, isn't there? There's some really interesting, thought-provoking she conversation the, that we've she just had. A deep and colourful conscience of the Raw Rugby podcast. And that's why she's the president. That's why she's the president of our team. That's why she's the president of the, of the, of the team. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, let's uh, let's whip through a few things happening. As we mentioned, the Wallaroos will be without Ash Masters. She's been suspended for three weeks for that high tackle against Scotland uh, last week. Welsh front rower Donna Rose has been suspended for two weeks as well. She was cited... Uh, for a dangerous clean-out in, in Wales' game against New Zealand on Sunday, just gone. The games uh, this weekend coming up, um, again, all up in Whangarei on Saturday, a triple header up there. It's Australia-Wales first, then New Zealand-Scotland, followed by France and Fiji. So they start at 2.15 New Zealand time. So just check your uh, check your guides and things where, where you are on Sunday uh, the games are back in Auckland. It's Japan, Italy, Canada, USA, and England, South Africa. Uh, and again, that's starting at twelve forty-five local time. So just check those times where you are. The also in New Zealand this weekend, the uh, the NPC final. Um, and I didn't get to see any of the semis last weekend. I have to admit, but um, ultimately, uh, Wellington we, we were way too good for Auckland and and Canterbury. Uh, got over the top of uh, Bay of Plenty as well, and they'll meet in the final uh, in Christchurch on on Saturday evening down there. A little bit of news floating around, mate. We've touched on it a little bit. We we uh, they're already uh, suspended in expectation essentially, but Wasps on Monday were placed into administration with all players and staff made redundant, uh, which is obviously makes them the second Premiership club to learn their fate in three weeks. London Irish, I mentioned, uh, were very quick to put out a statement denying reports that they were set to merge with Wasp. They knocked that on the head real quick. Meanwhile, on the Worcester front, ex-Worcester players are starting to find new homes. Francois Venter signed with the Sharks this week. Um, there's three players, I think, joining Gloucester as well. And the RFU CEO, Bill Sweeney, has effectively thrown the organisation's support behind a 10-team premiership going forward, which will be, I don't know, interesting to see how that plays out because, you know, they're left with 11 now and that means that you're going to lose another one. So there's going to be more. Um, yeah, there's, there. there's fundamental flaws. They're not addressed. Yeah. There, so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few issues there. Um, Ireland will be without Linster trio, Will Connors, Ronan Kelleher and Harry Byrne for the automation series. Um, and Jack Conan, James Ryan and Josh Vanderfleer 
will require a bit more assessment this week. They all picked up injuries in uh, in the Leinster's game on the weekend. France have recalled Fijian-born Claremont winger uh, Alavaretti Rucker. Um, Ro- Romain Entomac and Montpellier fullback Anthony Boothia um, have also been named in a 42-man squad, eight uncapped players. They love throwing a bucket load of uncapped players into yeah. a series, don't they, France? <laughs> I, they, I think the Wallabies probably need about 45 players as well. Actually. Yeah, well, they, yeah. May, they may have it by then. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, on the signing front, uh, All Backs and Hurricanes back row linchpin Artie Savia will play for the Kobe Steelers in Japan after next year's World Cup. He'll return to New Zealand in mid-2024 and, and play out his contract, which goes to 2025. Crusaders have announced that former All Blacks winger George Bridge will depart. Uh, he's expected to take up a contract with Montpellier in France, who are owned by... Oh, Al- Monsieur Altrad. Monsieur Altrad. Uh Nothing, nothing sus here, of course. Nothing, nothing to see here. Carry nothing on. to see here. Play on, carry on. Uh, and Damien, Damien Vilms, as you, as you said uh, earlier, has re-signed with the Stormers uh, in a massive deal. But, mate, I think that is us done. That's episode 40 of the Raw Rugby Podcast in the bag. Don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials and don't forget drops a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands each week. Um, Again, like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice and you'll ensure that every new episode drops into your notifications as soon as they're live. And do leave us a rating or a review um, on your platform if you can. If you've enjoyed what we've thrown into the rugby podcast mix this year. It all helps, the boffins tells us. It's algorithms and listings and all that sort of stuff. So uh, if you like us, give us a rating, give us a give us a review. It all goes down really, really well. Uh, it's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions, and conversations. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Play with us.